If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. All of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Hey y'all, welcome to this episode of Better with Dr. Erica. Now this episode explores women's health and reproductive rights. I know that is a big mouthful of words, but we also look at it from a perspective that also includes the special needs of black women. Now this episode has a super special guest. It's Shaquita Lockley, the executive producer and director of the documentary, Eggs Over Easy, Black Women and Fertility. I just so love the name of her documentary. Now, this discussion is important because the health needs of black women are often ignored or disregarded. Now, you might be wondering what questions will this episode answer? So let me tell you, what is reproductive health? Why is there so much shame around fertility, fibroids and miscarriages? How do you support women that you know who are dealing with reproductive and gynecological challenges? What do you do if you feel your doctor does not listen to you? And finally, how does mental health even relate to women's health? It's a mouthful, but we cover so much and you're going to want to catch it all. Now, let me tell you something. You don't have to be a woman or even be black to benefit from this episode because you will also learn information to allow you to support the women around you and to be more empathic. Now, one more thing. You're going to hear shareable moments. Now, you may want to even take a few notes on this episode. <laughs> now, let me tell you how we share in Better Nation. All you have to do is post on social media with the hashtag Better Nation. It's just that simple. So you've got it. I'm so excited about this episode that I need to go ahead and get out of the way and let you hear it. On to the show. Better with Dr. Erica. Welcome to another episode of Better with Dr. Erica. I am your host, Dr. Erica. And you know what? You already heard the intro, so I can't act like I'm going to tell you something that you don't already know because you know who I have. You know what we're about to talk about, but I'm going to say it anyway. So thank you for coming, and we are going to get straight to the business. Now, you don't know how excited I am about this guest because this guest, I feel like she's been everywhere. So the fact that she would make time to hang out with my podcast and my peeps just makes my heart so warm. I almost can't take it. Like literally, if I could happy dance around here and simultaneously tape this podcast, I would do that. But you would have the most janky audio on the planet, which would not be bringing sexy back. And I'm not going to do that to you. Plus, you know, I can't tape a podcast with a mic in my hand like I'm the lost member of the Temptations or the Supremes. That would, would not be cute, but it would be fun. It would be fun. So let me go ahead and get to it. Today, I am honored 
I need a drum roll to have Shaquita Lockley with me. <sighs> now, you may have heard of her because I feel like she's been some everywhere with her documentary, Eggs Over Easy. There's a subtitle. I'll let her give you the subtitle. But I feel like the Eggs Over Easy part is the part everyone remembers. And it's. I feel like there should be some song that I sing when I say it. It, it, it just seems like there should be an Eggs Over Easy song. Um, maybe there, there will be later <laughs> future marketing idea that you do not have to give me credit for. And this, this documentary has taken the world by storm. Now, the kind of cool thing is she's not just someone associated with it. She's the executive producer. She's the director. She's the writer. She's like all the things. And she put together this documentary. We will talk about the journey of this documentary because the journey is also just as inspiring as the actual content of the documentary. But you're going to want to hang on and hear all of what she has to say. Now, I'm trying something new because, you know, I always say reading bios is not my ministry. So I'm not even going to do it this time. I'm going to actually listen to myself and uh, my best friend who said, just just let them introduce themselves. But it's not because I don't read. I don't want you to think I'm lazy and I just don't read bios. I just don't think it shines like they sparkle as much when other people introduce themselves. But she's also my Spellman sister, which makes her doubly great. So Shaquita, can you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Yes. Hello, Dr. Erica. Thank you so much for having me, for even thinking this topic was important enough to bring to your audience. I'm very, very excited to be here. Um, so a little bit about myself. I am from a small town in South Georgia. It's called Jessup, Georgia. Um, I came to Atlanta to go to Spelman College. So I um, finished there and that's where we had a for three years, because I think you're like a class ahead of me, but three yeah. wonderful years behind <laughs> the gates of Spelman. Um, and then I went on to Emory to get a master's in film studies. And from that time on, I've been doing um, mostly live event production. I, I have a documentary under my belt as a producer, but not as the filmmaker. That documentary is called uh, Kuta Kente Island, Coming Home Without sh Shackles. And I produced it. We went to the Gambia and um, oh, wow. chronicle the family, the living relatives of Kuta Kente and the fact that they are still in the homestead where he was um, captured and abducted. Wow. They're still there. And we went to the, the jail cells where they, they held him and all of the other enslaved Africans. And so that's that was eye-opening. It's still, I think you can see it on PBS. I think it's still there. It's been there for years. Um, So that was my kind of my entrance into... Um, documentary work, but it was always as a producer. And then in real life, um, I produce live events. Most of my clients are uh, in the faith-based community. So that's what I'd been doing uh, and still do um, when this documentary, It's Over Easy, Black Women and Fertility, interrupted my space. <laughs> Well, you you know sometimes that divine timing can can feel like an interruption. Yes. <laughs> then it's even more of an interruption if it's hard to listen to divine timing mm -hmm. and God decides mm -hmm. to hit you over the head a few times cuz mm -hmm. cuz you didn't quite listen the first time. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, I keep saying I'm excited, but it's hard for me not to say I'm excited because I'm so freaking excited. <laughs> so the first thing we're going to do really quickly is I often do a little this or that section okay. so that people get a chance to get to know you just a little bit better. Nothing too tough, though. Okay. 
The first question is steak or sushi? Sushi. I don't eat beef. Okay. I miss sushi. I really Why? You don't eat seafood? Uh, No, I love sushi, but in the pandemic, I don't go out as Uh, much. mm -hmm. And I don't do a lot of sushi takeout or delivery. Mm -hmm. Um, So... It feels like life without much sushi because I don't end up oh, yeah. going to my favorite sushi Same. restaurants. I can't tell you the last time I've had sushi, but I know it was, it's was. it been since beef. I stopped eating beef in 2017. Okay. So I, I, I know keep, I've had sushi since then. <laughs> I keep thinking about it and somehow I get sucked back in. I'll, it's I, hard. I'll be trying. <laughs> I'll be trying. Blame it Trader Joe's. Blame because they have a bulgogi beef, uh, fried rice that is like a, a is something Ooh. I can use when I'm on the road. But this is about you, not me. <laughs> the next thing is ice cream or cake. Oh, ice cream! It's gonna always be ice cream. And I try to do the the non dairy <laughs> ones um, because I'm not supposed to have like beef and well, like uh, product uh, okay. dairy products. But I. I mean, I, of course, I still eat regular ice cream, but for the most part, I tried to shift it. So today, one of my friends, well, last night, I saw one of my friends on Facebook, and she had posted um, that Jermaine Dupree has this new um, vegan ice cream, oh, and wow. I'd seen it before, and it just didn't like catch my attention. But when she posted it, it was like, the shelves are sold out. It tastes so good. Get the key lime. So I went to Walmart today to get this um, key lime um vegan ice cream and it really is good it has like chunks of crust in it oh wow he did a good job so shout out to jd for that but i feel yes. like this this just took a it's so atlanta turn so atlanta <laughs> and it's called like so so vegan <laughs> i feel like it's yes <laughs> yeah. welcome to the atlanta players play <laughs> yes that is what happened Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to check it out because, you know, I did finally try Jenny's, which is like frozen crack. Mm. Um, Problematic, yes. It is. But to me, the one that's the most crackish is um, there are all these ice cream places in Martha's Vineyard. Mm. And that's where I actually eat the most ice cream is when I'm on the the vineyard Um, because the ice cream is just so good. Um, But... I will leave ice well, cream. I've never been to the vineyard, so I'll have to make a note of the ice cream on the vineyard. You should go. I feel like since you're like big time filmmaker, you should be at like the Black Film Festival or something. Well, I on did the see that they have a festival, a film festival, and like every summer, well, it's before summer. They start probably now. Mm-hmm. Like some of my friends are, they get houses, or some of their families have mm-hmm. houses. So I'm always aware of it, but it had never like just been on the to-do list. Like, oh, let me do this. But if they have good ice cream, it needs to be higher on my to-do list. (laughs) That's for sure. The the ice cream and the seafood are to die for there. The next is tea or coffee? That's tough. It's a tie. That's a tie. I have one of the other, one or the other pretty much every day. I'm, I'm not mad at that at all. And not like grocery store tea or coffee. Um, I like to travel, and so I get I always get the tea and coffee of wherever. Well, pre-pandemic, actually, I did get a couple of good trips in before the surge hit this past year. But um, I like to always bring home their tea and coffee uh, because the different places taste differently. And then because I am in Atlanta, we have a um this farmers market, the Decatur. The Cab Farmers Market. Yeah. And they bring in coffee from all of these different countries, and you could just pick which country you want. And so um, that's like a hobby. So that's a tie, tea and coffee. 
Oh, I miss the DeKalb Farmer's Market. Isn't it everything? There's some of everything in there. And they also have Mm -hmm. really great flowers. Yeah, they do. And and the the candy's like crack. They have that bakery. They have those matcha almonds. I I feel like we're both hungry. (laughs) Like I do need to have dinner, apparently. As we keep talking about food, <laughs> right. ain't, ain't talked about nothing else. But we've been like, we we are talking about all of the food, all of it, all of it. <laughs> so so let let's go ahead and switch from the food. Okay. To how did you end up getting inspired and passionate about Black women's fertility? Um, I say it tricked me. I this was not on my this was, I was not planning to do this. This was nowhere in my life plan. And what happened? I always get my um annual my Pap smear mm-hmm. the same time every year because I don't want to forget. And I was in there. Uh, this was 2016. Okay, so I was 41, but my birthday was coming up. So my doctor, this excellent black woman, um, she looked at my chart. She says, Miss Lockley, you have a birthday coming up. Your eggs are turning 42. What do you want to do with them? And then I kind of blacked out because what are you talking about? Um, I, I'm a type A person. So I plan all the things like mm-hmm. I don't do. I don't have surprises happen that I don't at least have a plan. ABC. I, like I have plans for things. Um, I did not have a plan for eggs because mm-hmm. I didn't know I needed a plan for eggs. I didn't know if I had any eggs. Like, what are you even saying, man? Speak on it. So I, I just kind of blacked out. And then the next couple months, everywhere I went, the topic would randomly come up. Like, nobody was talking about this. <laughs> but I would be at brunch, and um, someone next to me said, uh, I just had a miscarriage from donor eggs, my husband yeah. and I from donor eggs. And I didn't even know what donor eggs Like, of course, you always hear of sperm donation. Yeah. But I had never heard of, like, donor eggs. So I yeah. didn't know what it was, how to find it, who pays for it, how much does it cost. And, of course, in that moment, you want to be present for your for my friend. I wanted to be present. So after that, I went home and started researching it. But when I looked around the table from that brunch, every last one of us, except I think two, had had some sort of issue. Whether it was fibroids, endo, um, surrogacy, like all of these mm. things had played out with my friends at the table, but it's not something we really talked about. Right. So I said I would do 10 to 15 minutes, um, a short film, so that my the, the girls I mentor, they'll know, like, ask your doctor, if you are cramping for days and you're bleeding for days and you can't get out of your out of the bed to go to school or go to work because your, your periods are just debilitating, that's not normal. Although from childhood up they're like oh just take your little aspirin or whatever yeah it's not normal so i wanted to do a short just to say hey this stuff is not normal i don't care what our mama and grandmama them told us this is not normal ask your doctor so i needed to do like a handful of interviews i was gonna pay for this myself um the handful of interviews turned into so many hours of footage that i knew i this was no longer a short film i was gonna need help I couldn't pay for this anymore because I, I a short film is like ten to fifteen thousand, so I knew I could pay for that, and that wasn't going to mm. be an issue. A, a documentary that was going to be at minimum three hundred thousand. So who was going to help me pay for this? So I did a Kickstarter campaign. Um, my birthday is around the same time as Homecoming, so that following year, like I had paid for everything I could pay for. So now it is 
homecoming 2017. I put up my Kickstarter. I'm like, don't give me a birthday present. Just give me some money so I could finish this. What I thought, finish the film. And everybody, I woke up the next day. Everybody had chipped in and was like, hey, (laughs) excuse me. If you're coming to homecoming, send Quita some money first. So I met my goal and did another round of interviews. And when I looked up from there, um, that was like I had enough money to do enough interviews that I could do that a sound like a very strong sizzle reel, which okay. is what you um, were referring to earlier, the nine-minute clip. So we ended up with a, a, a pretty strong sizzle reel. Um, and I knew for a fact I, did, I wasn't going to have enough money. Well, and I'm so glad that you brought this up because there are a couple of things you talked about. And and don't go anywhere, y'all out there, because even even if you're a dude, you're going to want to hear these conversations because they're going to affect all, they're going to affect the women in your life, whether they're your partner or not, just people you know in your family, is that I think everybody has that moment. It's just a question of does it happen in your 30s or your 40s mm-hmm. where you're in the OBGYN's office and they just look at you like basically say you're getting old. You think about doing this, like mine was like, you know, I, I see your age. Are you thinking about having a baby on your own? <laughs> and how old were you then? I think I was around 35. So that you was know. actually, I mean, it still was kind of late, but that was better than being 45. Well, the, and, the question. And, and that's the issue is it's like a lot of times, number one, by the time people get the question, that your fertility has dropped because the average, some of y'all may not know that, you know, you were born with your eggs. You got your yes. eggs. Your eggs been with you your whole life. Which so, we do not know in large part. And and then as you get older, the viability or the good eggs go mm-hmm. down. So it's one of the reasons why I think it was very important that you brought it out in your documentary is if you don't learn about freezing eggs or think about that till you're 30 or 40, you're freezing 30 or 40 something year old eggs. You're not going to freeze as many eggs because, you know, your eggs are old and crusty a little bit, said with love. And then there, there's a chance they're not going to be as high quality. So if you have these conversations younger, which is, I, I applaud you, and I know a lot of us have started talking to our mentees and when we were in yeah. women's groups, yeah. especially also with other physicians, we had these conversations because the best time to freeze your eggs, most of us are studying and those kinds of things and not thinking about it. The best time you freeze mm-hmm. your eggs is in your 20s. It's 27 to 34. That's the peak window. Yeah. And when, when I was broke. 27, who had, who had... Ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars to freeze eggs, and then you have to pay to store them. Like, who even had that money? And when I had the money, I was going around the world, living my best life because <laughs> hashtag Black Girls Travel. So I kind of think like maybe if at twenty five someone had that conversation with me, at thirty someone had, had that conversation with me, I would have been able to like just financially prepare in a different way. Yeah. So maybe instead of going to so many places, I would have gone to half those places and then yeah. frozen eggs for um maybe one day if I ever wanted to use them, at least they would have been there. And that's so so important is that one of the things that came up when I started just checking a couple statistics is that a lot of times by the time black women realize they should do something or feel comfortable asking someone, it's super late. 
Yes. And with any with any issue, by the time if you take care of it on the back end, it's going to take a lot more a lot more effort mm-hmm. and money. And and I think the the great thing I love about the fact that you went ahead and sucked it up and did a longer documentary is that you were able to talk about so many different sides of these reproductive issues. Yeah. Be- because it's not it's not a monolith or a singular issue. You know, there are the issues of actually having viable parts to produce viable eggs mm-hmm. that ev- all the channels and places are correct so that even if it's a good egg that the sperm can make it. Yes. Um because <laughs> there are there are other important. issues that are more of that the eggs are right but your endometrial lining is is not yes. so good or there are issues in your fallopian tubes and it just can't it just can't swim enough. Like I feel like it's run yeah. forest run, but swim, sperm, swim. And then you've um, had twenty years of like excruciating periods and you don't you nobody ever said it's it's your lining, it's the it's endometriosis yeah. or adenomyosis. Like that's when you're finding you're not finding out twenties and thirties. You're finding out in this moment when you think, Okay, my eggs are good and then it's like, Oh no, remember when you couldn't get out of bed for all those years on the first day of your period? Oh, that was actually because you have X, Y, Z. So that is how we are finding out. And I want to just, it just feels so negligent. And that is why I'm like, just ask your doctors. I don't think doctors intend to not give us proper mm-hmm. care, but it's not like, that's not in a, any book. Like they're not learning specifically ask these women, these questions mm-hmm. at this age It's not like institutionally. It is just not there. They're not teaching it in the school, so the doctors are not asking you until you're 40. And, and then, then you, here we are with very expensive um, solutions to fix the problems. And and the other thing is, is there are so many different ways to handle this that, unfortunately, a lot of people aren't necessarily as compassionate mm-hmm. as would, would be the best, because I yeah. can honestly say I saw a new doctor who did the most thoughtful, kind pelvic exam I've ever had in my life. Wow. And I felt like it would totally change a lot of women's experience if they had someone like that taking care of them. But a lot of times people use harsh language or it's like if someone just comes up to you like, you getting pregnant? Why ain't you pregnant? Why ain't you had no kids? Why do you come see me for such and such and such and such? Oh, you're old. Your eggs are crispy. Is that Mm -hmm. that's not really going to be language that is kind, compassionate, and encouraging. Mm -hmm. And there's also issues with the fact that a lot of times when people look at these issues and look at look at these things, it's all through this lens of lens of marriage, not with unmarried couples, Mm -hmm. not with same sex partners, not with someone that's not coupled. There are all these other narratives of people. Looking like the welfare mother, they're not asking when they look at brown girls who are coming in or or black women who are coming in. Every time I've gone to a gynecologist, they always ask me if I want birth control pills because it's that is a part of our culture. Like, just give them birth control pills to make sure they're not out here becoming a welfare mom. So, is it? I think it's just more natural for them to say. Do you want birth control instead of saying, would you like birth control or would you like to know your fertility? That's a two part question. Like you don't have to just stop at at one of those. You can actually ask the full question. Do you want birth control 
or would you like to know more about your fertility? And they need to be asking us this at age 25 because the number of my, like the AMH, that's the anti-malarian hormone, is not the only um, way to gauge a person's fertility, but it is one of the first tests they give you just to see um, if you have a strong egg reserve. And it is a blood test. The same way they take the test to see if you got HPV mm-hmm. or any of these other diseases or um, issues in, in your blood. It is literally, they just put another vial of blood. So it's not like this is this, this huge thing somewhere else. No, you could do that right in the office. And if they ask you at 25 and your number is 10 and they ask you again at 30 and your number is two or one and the range, a good range is one to 10. So if you drop that much in five years, um, which isn't even hugely surprising, it's just something you need to be aware of because that means there's urgency if you want to have a child. Because yeah. if you drop from 10 to one, you're not it's not going back up it's only going to keep going down um so that would be the sign like okay you may be going into menopause early or you might have some challenges with your egg reserve so let's go ahead and and help you make the decisions that make sense for your life because not everybody not every woman wants to even be a mother and that is perfectly fine but some who do or if they don't even know if they want to they just know when they wake up one day and can't how that feels and it sucks um, so why not just let empower women, black women, um, with these numbers? Don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss a single moment of this fantastic interview with Shaquita Lockley. We'll be back. Better with Dr. Erica. It's time for Ask Dr. Erica. In this season that is filled with so much loss, people often ask me, what can I do if someone I know suffers a death or a loss? Now let me tell you two quick things you can do. Number one, listen. It sounds so simple, but it means so much. Sometimes people simply need you to be present and listen and don't actually need you to attempt to fix the situation. Number two, ask, how can I support you? This is another simple question, but it can be so helpful. This allows you to express your desire to help, allows the other person to give you permission to help, and allows you to find a way to help that feels good to them. Now these two simple things, listening and asking how can I support you, can mean so much. Let's continue to get through challenges together and I appreciate your desire to figure out not only how to be better, do better, live better, but how to make other people's lives better. Now back to the show. Better with Dr. Erica. I think it's important to even have space for these conversations. It's it's one thing, and I think there's there's room to create space in lots of places, to create mm-hmm. space among your loved ones for these conversations, but also to create space in your medical teams for actual conversations about what are your reproductive desires, mm-hmm. what what are the strengths and challenges, so that it's a rolling cumulative conversation. And I think that kind of makes a lot more space because what I think a lot of us started realizing is you start hitting your 40s. And I feel like with a lot of the shifts in social media, especially with COVID, with people, it seemed almost like people became another level of transparent during COVID. And all of a sudden, my timelines were flooded with rainbow babies, miscarriages, IVF, like all the sudden, like strangers. And then it was people I, as you said, it was people I knew that I had Mm -hmm. no idea, but these aren't things that people 
really talk about what were some of the biggest surprises that you heard or learned when you were when you were actually making the documentary? Um, I think a couple of the biggest surprises. So, like I said, most of these, like the bulk of the people, I knew them. Um, when somebody is going through trauma, like I knew my friends, line sisters, um, I knew of miscarriages. But I never knew the details of what actually was happening. Mm-hmm. So to find out things like um, in our country, if your baby isn't breathing, it's not a live birth, that doesn't count against your um, maternity leave. You got to go back to work. Mm-hmm. And I could not understand how somebody who actually, like, this was a delivery. Yeah. How did you have to? There was no time. I mean, so with Tanya, she's um one of the one of the women in the film. Um, you could take your regular sick days, but like that six weeks of maternity leave, that was for live births. Now, some states and some com- companies have changed that uh, recently, and some countries have made it countrywide. Our our country has not. Okay. So you can have a whole baby, or you can miscarry, and you still got to go to work. I never knew that because that is like you still deliver, but you don't get the leave for delivery. You get the leave for a live birth. So in addition to not being able to go home with your baby and the fact that your body physically <laughs> is ripped mm-hmm. apart because you have to deliver. um, What does that even mean? You have to go back to work. Like nothing ever happened and you just have to show up. I didn't know that. So there were things like that where I knew on a high level what the person who was my friend may have gone through. I didn't know the the details because we weren't like in the weeds in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So that kind of thing was just shocking to me. Um, What was happening every day. Like even with the ones who were doing IVF, you have to go to your doctor's appointments every Mm -hmm. couple of days. But if you didn't want to tell your HR that you were trying to do this, then what does that mean? Because you have to leave work. So Mm -hmm. they're like sneaking out of work to go to the doctor because they don't want to announce because they may have gone through several unsuccessful IVFs. And it's just a personal medical situation that they should not have to announce. But you do have to announce it because who has that much leave to just take off from work to go get shots or to go get your temperature checked and and that sort of thing. So the details of it, I I didn't know the details of it. Um, Even with adoption, I had no idea. You can get turned down for something as simple as the so one couple who um we're gonna do something with down the road we just didn't have enough time within the the windows of okay. this documentary but she and her husband um tried to adopt and they did all the classes and the people come oh, to the wow. house and do all the tests the swimming pool fence was a foot and a half shorter than the requirement and so this family couldn't be an adoptive family. She ended up adopting it from from a person, like a one-to-one adoption. Okay. But an agency, like within our state, they were not approved. This is a two-parent home, like a PhD. So, so many degrees in that house. Wonderful people, active in their communities. And their swimming pool fence, I think it was three and a half feet and it needed to be five. Five feet. Mm. Um, and so they wouldn't, They got booted out and they would need to fix the fence and start the process over. That is crazy to me. So I think when we look at from a high level, yes, I knew these stories because I know the I knew knew when it was happening with mostly everybody in the film. But the details of it, 
I had no idea. And all of that was shocking because what it means is while we're expecting them to like be the best person on their job and to be the choir director and to run the links group. And we're expecting this high level of um, activity from these people, these women. And we don't know, like she just miscarried. And one of my, um, one of my group chats after I did a screening um, back in er, middle 2020, after I did a screening, one of my closest friends in the group chat was like, "Um, yeah, I miscarried a couple weeks ago. It just never occurred to like have that conversation. And I'm like, well, we could have been bringing you dinner. Like there's so many ways we could have supported, but we just didn't know. And that is what's happening every day in somebody's office, um, at somebody's school, at somebody's hospital. There's a woman there who is having the worst week of her life because of whatever her personal loss has been. And our expectation is that they are on 100% every single day. And we don't have grace for the things we don't know, which is the stuff that's happening in these women's lives because they don't get time off from work. They still got to go to work. That was an entire word. Yeah. Or two words. Three and words. there's no <laughs> no reason for it. And there's no explanation. All you can do is sit with the fact that this is happening in, com- con- in companies around this country every single day. Well, and that's one of the things I think that is is huge because naturally it's easy to not know how much this is going on because it's almost like there's either this, it's not simply stigma because part of it I think is stigma, but there's also just a part of not necessarily negative. It's just like, these are things we just don't talk about. So I guess that is stigma. It's, we just don't talk about these things. And I think the hardest thing to hear about it is beyond just the work aspect of this expectation, all of these expectations to do all of the things, is that there are times where people could possibly support someone that are lost because you didn't let anybody know. Mm -hmm. And there are people that would love to love on you that can't because they don't no, and I feel like that's one of the hugest things about your documentary is I just remember when it showed on OWN and everybody in my timeline was talking about it, men, women, everyone. And I think it's important to have these conversations started so people ha- feel more comfortable having them in real yeah. life yeah. so that when people hit these obstacles or these challenges, they're not stuck trying to manage all of it alone. Yep, that part. Um, one of the therapists who I thought it was important that if we're telling the, all of the story, like mental health needed to be mm-hmm. a part of it, a part of the conversation. So Robin May, Robin um, went to Clark Atlanta University um, and she's a licensed, she's a therapist. Mm-hmm. And one of the things she talks about in the film, which I just thought was profound, is that we put ourselves on this island, isolation island, um, and so all these things that are going on with our personal lives, we're telling ourselves these stories and there's nobody there to like unravel it, to, to put up a mirror to say, just because you think that it doesn't mean that that's true. Right. Um, and you're not the only person who had this situation. There are thousands and thousands of women who've had the same situations. You, you are not by yourself if you just let somebody in, but many times because of the shame and just all the, the, yeah. um, stress that's attached to, our reproduction, um, our reproductive issues, we don't talk about it. And that puts us on isolation island and nobody wins there. 
No. And, and I love that you also mentioned that these experiences are traumatic because yes. earlier on another episode, I talked about kind of looking at what is trauma because a lot of times people think trauma is simply you were raped or molested or in Hurricane Katrina mm-hmm. or those kinds of things. And and these kinds of issues and challenges and all of these losses can be mm-hmm. very traumatic. And just looking at how that can impact someone's mental health. I mean, mm-hmm. some of it's logical that you can just extrapolate out if, if you're sitting having to give your shots all the time or you're not able to get pregnant and you're looking to get pregnant or you keep losing pregnancies. And I always think of I had a, a friend who her and her husband were having knockdown drag outs on their honeymoon because they had an argument and didn't have sex when she was ovulating. Oh, okay. Yeah, but but it's like it turns into all yeah. of these different things. And especially yes. if you're getting some of these reproductive treatments and you're getting yeah. hormones, you're not necessarily going to be feeling like yourself anyway because these hormones mm-hmm. make everybody feel super wonky. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just looking at some statistics that nearly 41% of women who are having infertility have depression and almost 87% have anxiety. And I think a lot of times people will think that I'm not so I'm not so down I want to kill myself and think, oh, I'm fine. Or but you're I'm, not. I'm not but you're, so anxious not I can't fine. leave the house. And that's one of the reasons I've actually even created my practice in the way that you can get help for anything. You don't have to have one of the top tier, more serious mental health conditions because sometimes it's you might not meet criteria for major depressive disorder or a panic disorder or PTSD or a generalized anxiety disorder or something, but you could benefit greatly from some support. And I would start encouraging people to start building teams because sometimes a lot of times when you're dealing with issues of around your reproductive system, be it the initial issues such as endometriosis or fibroids or something else, or having difficulty being able to go on your pregnancy journey, is that a lot of times people will look at having an OBGYN on their team or a maternal fetal medicine doctor on their team. But I think it's important to start looking at adding a mental health professional on your team to help support you through that journey because it's difficult. And one of the things that we do as mental health professionals is we create safe spaces. And I think part of the things that put people on isolation island is they don't automatically feel like every space is safe to deal with what's going on. And we can create a safe space so that you can feel like you're not going to be judged and kind of work through your emotions. So number one, you feel better because you deserve it. Number two, Higher levels of stress never help anything in your body function better. So if you're you're trying to get pregnant, but you're stressed out or feel crappy in the process, you're not going to be, your, your reproductive system is not going to work at its best and you're going to probably have a shit ton of cortisol. And that's never fun. <laughs> a whole lot of cortisol never ends with <laughs> anything good. No, that's so I, one of the things that fibroids feeds off of. And I will also... Excuse me. I will also say it doesn't just have to be like in terms of needing mental health assistance or a therapist. That's not just for if you're trying to get pregnant. Um, So many of these 
diseases that we end up with um it's traumatizing all of it so i had fibroids uh from young from when i was probably in my mid-20s and the doctor just kept an eye on them they were out of control by the time COVID hit but i couldn't get a surgery because there wasn't an essential procedure so i needed a therapy i got a therapist and i i um you know, have no shame in that because what are you saying? These things have grown. So they, they were so large in my body that my um, uterus is the size of a six month pregnant person. So mm. if I put on clothes, I'm like, oh, I guess I picked up some weight. It wasn't. They were, there were fibroids everywhere. And that meant an invasive surgery where they cut your body open in half. I have a, a, an abdominal um, surgery. So it went from the navel down where they have to cut your body open to take out these things. So like the, I'm like, this is body betrayal. What, why are these things growing besides the cortisol cortisol? Um, why are they even there? there? Why isn't there any research to help me? Why is when I went to the radiologist, her first response was you should just have a hysterectomy. Well, is it something wrong with my uterus? Is there a reason I should have a hysterectomy? Um, well, no, but if you don't want to have kids and you haven't had them by now, you could just go ahead. Well, then that becomes an elective procedure that I'm not interested in electing myself into if there's nothing wrong. Right. Um, so that required <laughs> a great deal of therapy because it was like triggering all of it. Every single, every doctor's appointment during that window of time was just awful. And then like staying in the, the hospital with the whole surgery, um, you couldn't have visitors because, you know, it was COVID yeah. by the time I, well, like high COVID surge by the time I could actually have the surgery. So you're just in there by yourself hoping for the best. That requires therapy. So I would say, especially if you have a wound um, or even if you don't, but you identify as a woman, like get yourself a therapist. Get yourself a therapist because it's going to help give you peace of mind and talk you down off a ledge and just um, just kind of help you know that you're not you're not having random feelings that um, are out of the blue. None of it is out of the blue. There are reasons for all of it. And you just have to get to the bottom of it so that you can find like helpful solutions to kind of walk your way out. I love that. I love you, Shaquita. <laughs> I just am trying to help the people. Like, does your insurance um, let you pay a copay to go see your therapist? Pay them little 10, however many dollars you have to pay, and go see somebody. Well, and and one of the hugest things about it is, number one, I like to tell people that mental health treatment is not self-help because there are some things that self-help, and I love Mel Robbins, I love Oprah, is that they can help you feel a little better, but there are times where you need a little bit more than a little Mel Robbins, a little Oprah, yes. a little Dr. Oz, mm-hmm. little um there's someone else my mom likes. Is it Tony? Is it Tony Robbins? All these people have similar names in my head all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's good to actually have a licensed trained professional help yes. you out. But I also want to remind you psychiatrists do therapy too. We don't just give medication. But one of the reasons this is all important is one of the things I know I talk about the better seven sometimes, these seven essential areas that are important to be better, do better, and live better. And there is one called self-talk. And one of the things that we get robbed by is usually the harshest critic to all of us 
is ourself. And we, we talk to ourselves in ways yep. we would never talk to anybody else. And we can become hypercritical. We can become judgmental. We can put ourselves down. And one of the reasons I think therapy can be extremely helpful, especially in these types of situations, is it does a couple of things. One is one of the things Quita was talking about is we call it kind of reality testing, is that you have someone to bounce things off of to kind of let you know if you know, is, is this my mind twisting things because I just don't feel that great? Or is this how it really is? So you have someone to reflect things back to you in a way that's grounded. The next is someone to help you feel better so that you can start having kind, compassionate language towards yourself. Yes. Because a lot of that negative language turns into a lot of shame and, and guilt and and shame just starts turning into secrets. And it just snowballs and can interrupt not only romantic relationships, but a variety of relationships and interrupt your connections and interrupt your life. And time is something we can't get back. So I, I feel like all of our goal is is to not only put you back into your life, but to, to help you actually enjoy your life. Yes. Because if you're miserable for, for months or years on end, you're not going to get that time back. Mm-hmm. And you deserve better. Just I agree. One, 100%, 100% agree. And the self-talk, um, especially in, so on my Eggs Over Easy um, Instagram page, I follow, it's, it's mostly just people who are in the, the community. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, I follow these stories. I follow the TTCs, which is the trying to conceive. Mm-hmm. And that self-talk, if you've had three failed IVFs, six failed IVFs, um, your IUIs aren't working, none of these things are helping you get pregnant, or you get pregnant and um, don't have a, you don't carry the term, that self-talk, I think, is very dangerous. And and that leads to, well, first of all, you've had these hormones injected, which take you everywhere um, mentally and emotionally. But now you're having to deal with telling yourself all the things like my body failed me and that sort of and that sort of conversation which is not helpful so that is why I'm like y'all better go to therapy get you some help whatever it takes to to find your peace and level out do that I second that emotion stay tuned better with Dr. Erica we'll be back with my phenomenal guest Shaquita Lockley better with Dr. Erica Welcome to Goodwin Medical Associates, where we provide customized, caring telepsychiatry that is delivered with compassion by a Harvard-trained, double-board-certified psychiatrist. Don't you know that everyone, including you, deserves great mental health? Visit www.goodwintelepsych.com for more information and to book your free consultation. Let me introduce you to Better Nation. Better Nation is the community of people that follow the Better with Dr. Erica podcast that are like you and want to be better, do better, and live better. By becoming a member of Better Nation, you also get to receive member-only bonus content to put you officially in the inner circle, show notes with timestamps so you don't have to search for your favorite moments, and some bonus free coaching tools. So visit joinbetternation.com, that's joinbetternation.com, to become a VIP and be a part of Better Nation. Better with Dr. Erica. So we're going to switch gears for a little while and we're going to okay. switch into speed round. You ready? Okay. All Maybe. right. Let's, okay. Uh, you are. You've got this. All right. The first one. Now this one, I don't know why this stumps people, but I have a feeling it won't. 
what are your three favorite songs? I actually don't have a favorite song. <gasps> I have a favorite genre, and okay. soca is my soca is my favorite genre, and gospel is my second favorite genre. Okay. But soca, it gives me life. So if I'm having feeling whatever kind of way, I'm just gonna put on some soca and turn it up as loudly as possible, and get I my feel, life. <laughs> I feel like I should be married to Kess. <laughs> ah, Savannah. Yes, I, I love Kess. Like I love you. Mm-hmm. And he's so cute. But I, don't I believe know if he's already I, married, I believe I he married somebody else and never yeah. met me. <laughs> yes, that part. I'ma hold back the tears. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is what is one free thing you do for self-care? I paint my I do two things. I paint my fingernails myself. Now, if I have to go somewhere in public, I go and get my nails done. But it's therapeutic. Like my grandma, she would paint her nails clear. My mom painted her nails. And it's like just it's kind of like coloring for some people. Okay. Um, it's just you don't have to really think about it. So I paint my nails. And then the other thing that I do, um, I tell people happy birthday on Facebook because I found that it grounds me. Now I might if it's 20 people on the same day, I'm probably gonna only hit two of them but it just grounds me it reminds me like these are my people this this is what they are and I the least I can do is say happy birthday so those are the two things that um level me oh I love it I love all of that now what's something about you that most people don't know but it doesn't have to come from the skeleton closet okay um, I am a fan of F1, Formula One, which is racing, and Lewis Hamilton, who is the seven-time world champion and was just robbed from his eighth, but I won't get into that, or I'll be, like, laying on a therapist's couch. I was so upset about it. <laughs> but I love F1. Well, I love F1 um, because Lewis Hamilton is there, and I don't like how they have treated him lately, but he's the only black who yeah. has ever been in the sport, and he is just, like, pulling uh, pulling us on his back and saying, y'all are going to let some black people in here. Why don't we have black engineers? Um, why don't we mm. have anybody in this whole sport from managers on down, like nobody's black. And so because of that initiative, it's called the Hamilton Commission. That was his study oh, wow. that he um, he and Mercedes-Benz funded this study just to figure out why don't they have black people in STEM in, in the UK? So he did all of that. And he basically put a race of folk on his back and was like, I'm carrying y'all. So I love Lewis Hamilton and Formula One. And most people would not expect that. Oh, that was... I'm totally not unexpected. Well, now I feel like I'm going to be Googling him all night now. I'm yes, going to be on Google the Google. Him. So the next thing is, what's something that has helped you get through the pandemic? Zoom has helped me. I wish I could say something healthy like, oh, my bicycle, because I did buy one. And then like everybody got Pelotons and it really helped them. I have a regular bicycle and I don't ride her often enough. Um, so I wish I could say that, but that's not what it was. Zoom. Um, our video chats, because yeah. that let me keep in touch with people who do not live in the house with me. Because yeah. I went months without like seeing family and friends. Um, so I would definitely say the video chats. I'm a fan, even though it got hard because like my best friend got like tragic Zoom fatigue. Oh, <laughs> Like she won't meet with y'all. She's like, nah, dog. I can't. I can't do one more Zoom. Can't yeah. do one more Zoom. I mean, it took a month, several months. So during the summer, I didn't do any Zooms. I was like, I'm sitting outside and 
in this good old sunshine or finding me a beach. Yeah. So I wasn't, I, I could see people and I'd already yeah. gotten all my shots by then, but, but it definitely helped in, over the two year window. Oh yes. Yeah. I missed when we stopped doing our, like we have a group of friends and for a year we zoomed every Saturday. And then mm. when we stopped, that was in withdrawal. But yeah, I, I suckered them happening. back into doing it last week. <laughs> well, most of my friends are in the same city that I'm in. And so once it warmed up, we could do backyard gatherings. Okay. Um, and so we didn't have to do the video chats. But it's cold now, so we jumped back on. Gotcha. The last one is, what would you like to be remembered for? Um... Being a good person in terms of my life, just being a good person and having a good heart towards people in terms of my work, telling stories that matter and actually affect change in people's lives. That's that's the one for my career. Oh, I'm down for all of that. Now, first, I just need to say thank you for gracing not only me, but all of my podcast peeps in Better Nation with all of your glory. <laughs> Sure. Thank you for having me. And Thank you for even being mindful enough to say, hey, come on my podcast. People don't have to be kind. So I appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. I mean, and, and you're doing such great things. I feel like it needs to be amplified wherever we can. Thank you. Keep talking about it. Because the more we talk about it, the more women will be freed up to have these conversations. And they don't have to go out and like scream their business from the mountaintop. But I believe all of us, are like planting in this garden and we have people around us and maybe that's your three people, your five people, or maybe you have 2 million Twitter followers. I don't know, yeah. but whatever your garden is, um, those are the lives that I believe God intends for us to touch. Yeah. So if you only have a couple people in your garden, this is still a conversation worth having. So I love it. Now, my next question is if people feel like they, they just didn't get enough Aquita right now, how can the people find you or do you want to be found? I do not want to be found. <laughs> no, seriously. They can find the film on um, Instagram. It's eggs over easy film. And then on Twitter, I'm not on Twitter that much. Um, but anyway, if you are looking <laughs> Twitter, we are at eggs film. For some reason, when I typed it in, it cut out all the middle words and just gave us the first and the last. I don't know, child, but it's <laughs> eggs film on Twitter. But um, Facebook and Instagram, we are eggs over easy film. And then the website is eggs over easy film.com. Yay. So come find me over there. But don't go looking for her. Yeah, just, don't, look just, for don't be don't, don't be cruising the streets looking for looking for Quita, being oh, like, where's that easy lady? Where's she at today? Child, not outside. <laughs> I am not mad at you. I'm I'm up here in Massachusetts freezing right now. Oh, bless your heart. Mm -mm. It's forty degrees here, and I'm I have an attitude. It's so cold. Yeah, I was I was just here. I was just down there last weekend, but I decided I'd oh, come wait. up. Oh, wait. Were you here for the, the, the fake snowstorm? Well, the weird thing is it was actually, it was legit snow for one of the first times. It just didn't stick. Ooh. But I was surprised that it snowed that hard for that long, even though there was literally no evidence of it after it was over. But yeah. I, was, I was like, oh, y'all can actually say it legit snow. Because I was like, this is legit snow. Well, I was hunkered down because I um I was one of the producers for the King Day church service, the, uh, oh, okay. the commemorative service, and it was supposed to ice over 
overnight. So I'm like, let me get to a um a bed and breakfast downtown that I can walk if I have to okay. walk. Woke up, there was no ice, no snow, no rain, no water, nothing. So I call it the fake ice storm. <laughs> yeah. But I think that was the one thing is since we don't treat the roads, it was like if it had been a little bit colder where it could yeah, have potentially iced over, to me mm-hmm. the problem would have been ice. But yeah. Um, yep. But again, thanks for coming, and thanks you didn't even me. have to drive anywhere. No, <laughs> this was the perfect. This was the perfect interview. Thank you. Oh, thank you, and all of you out there. I want to first say thank you for taking time out of your busy life to do quality time with us. I know there are a zillion podcasts out there. There literally feels like it's a zillion. I don't even know what number a zillion really is. But there are a ton of podcasts. And out of all the ones that you could have listened to, you chose Better with Dr. Erica. You chose mine. So I'm already winning because you chose to listen. And you're winning because you got to hear all of this great information. Now, if you enjoyed this, you're going to want to hit subscribe or follow so that you get all the deets and all the updates when we drop new stuff. Because I drop bonuses along with regular episodes. And you don't want to miss it. Now, if you also enjoy it, I want you to rate and review because it helps me get even better guests. So, um, you know, I need to be able to have Quita-level guests every day. Now, can we get Stacey Abrams-level guests? Um, can, I'm just saying. I, I feel like... I'm like, dude, we were on SGA together. Is there a way? No, really. I was in two different um, Zooms that she was on last week. And Dr. Cole was on as well, honey. I was in heaven. I had such a great week last week. And it was because of them. I can believe it because when our reunion got jacked up with COVID, we did a quick little Zoom for like an hour and a half. And Dr. Cole came on and we all started crying and something. It's like Dr. Cole, like, breathes life into your soul whenever- She speaks. She does. It, it just it just happens. And if I had to say my final thoughts, yes, is my final thought is number one, you need to be in touch with your entire body, all of your body, all of the inside and outside parts. So it's number one, it's important that you get your normal health maintenance. And since mm-hmm. we're talking about women's health, your women parts. Um, but also they should, you need to do yourself breast exams. When you get your exam, they should do a breast exam, your pelvic and a, a digital exam. Uh, none of it is super fun, but it's, it's necessary. So we know everything is functioning, but I want to encourage you to get that and to ask these questions. And if you feel like you're working with someone that if you ask a question, they either belittle you, say something that's not compassionate, you feel like they don't listen to you, you do not feel seen and heard, that may not be the doctor for you. And you need to look for someone that's going to listen to you and give you the care you deserve. Because a lot of these things that, especially when it comes to reproductive health, is that if you don't have someone that's kind and compassionate and listens, number one, no one wants to feel bad when you have to basically get naked to go to the doctor. Because if you're a woman, you've been here. The little gown with the opening in the front, your boobs get cold. You know, I, those covers on the stirrups still aren't that sexy. So you're uncomfortable because none of us pack footies. I'm like, why never? Th- I think of this when we start talking now. And you're trying not to get wind and your hoo-ha because <laughs> that little paper sheet is, is not warm. And it's a time where you're probably the most vulnerable. And yeah. we didn't even talk about the fact that 
a lot of women have experienced some form of sexual trauma Mm -hmm. so that just the, the act of the exams themselves are very triggering is that you want someone that is going to be kind, compassionate, listen to you, and potentially even talk you through your exam and not be rushing so much that you can actually have a conversation with them about how you feel, what your concerns are, and that you also feel comfortable if during any kind of exam you feel uncomfortable. And this doesn't have to be because you feel like someone's abusing you or something, but sometimes something's just uncomfortable, it hurts, or it is triggering, or you want to be able to have conversations in the middle of exam to let people know what your comfort level is and have people actually hear you. So my big message is if someone doesn't listen, get another doctor. Yes immediately do not and, pass a go and there are there are plenty of great ones out there um also if you're looking for someone that's african-american and you're having a hard time start tapping your network just like we do for mental health professionals the ironic thing is if you start asking your friends like who's your therapist you'll start finding out everybody in their mama has a therapist mm-hmm. but start asking the question in your circles if you you need you know, someone for maternal fetal medicine or fertility, or you need another OBGYN. And you'll be surprised that other people will probably have someone to refer you to that is kind and compassionate. But the one thing I I don't want you ever doing is living as, as you said, on isolation Island, Mm -hmm. just overflowing with shame and guilt, because that's not sexy. So that's what I got for you today. I appreciate all of you. I want to encourage you to take your left hand, put that sucker on your right arm, take your right hand, put it on your left arm, give yourself a big squeeze because you deserve a hug. And I know it's COVID and there might not be somebody physically to hug you, but you got it. And that's what I got for you today. Until next time, have a better day. Find me on social media at Dr. Erica, D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A on all social media and online at betterthepodcast.com. That's betterthepodcast.com. If you like what you heard, tap on that subscribe or follow button, then click share and click rate and review. Now don't panic if you don't see rate and review. Sometimes it mainly shows up on Apple Podcasts and Audible, but I appreciate hearing your feedback. Check back weekly for new episodes. They drop on Tuesday mornings. Until next time, be better, do better, live better. Better with Dr. Erica. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. All of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.